It's a really powerful and sacred space. And people knew this back in the tantric traditions. Everybody really reverenced this space between the seen and unseen worlds. It's the life force, the life energy of our human race. It lives in that space. Welcome to the 1000 Day Sober Podcast. My name is Lee Davey. I am not an alcoholic. I refuse to be anonymous. I am someone that doesn't drink alcohol. And I spend every single moment of my life helping other people do the same. Like right now. Yes. Exploring the masculine and feminine with Mary Tamal. But before we get there, a little bit of housekeeping. You may know that there's a little something around the corner called Christmas. And I don't know about you, but when I was younger... It used to stress me out. Now, not when I was a kid. Well, it did used to stress me out when I was a kid as well because we never used to get fuck all, which had its own consequences. But there was an aspect of being a kid that I liked. It's when I when I was being an adult. I just didn't like it. Like, I just... I didn't like the financial burden and stress that it put on me. I never had enough money. I always felt less than. Every morning I would get up and wish I'd bought my son more because I was one of these people who's like suffered from external validation and I got all my self-worth from outside of myself. So I always really, really struggled with Christmas, right? Really struggled. And then towards the end of my drinking, I really struggled with it in terms of drinking, you know? And I would very often just pair off with the kids like leave me with the kids i'll play with all the games and the toys with the kids while everybody else goes off to get rat ass i really didn't like christmas it, it provided a lot of stress and pressure for me right so if you're feeling that yourself like if you're feeling uh, about christmas if it overwhelms you if it uh, produces anxiety uh, if uh, the whole thought about drinking is like forefront of your mind then reach out to us at 1kdaysober at gmail.com one K day sober at gmail.com. That's the number one. We got group coaching programs. Okay. We've got the strive method of relationship and the strive method for addictions, six months personal coaching plans, as well as group coaching plans. We have our private Facebook group. Okay. And we, we are, of course, we're here as well. Okay. You know, also check out Instagram. Got a lot of good stuff going on Instagram. Okay. You don't have to do this alone. You don't have to be alone. There is no better time than now to stop drinking alcohol or to stop smoking cigarettes. So come on, give us a shout. Okay. Now, without further ado, I will introduce our next guest. So do you often find yourself stuck in a rut? When you experience a setback, how do you move on? Do you think you're living the best version of yourself? What should you do to gain a sense of fulfillment in life? Well, in this episode, Mary Tamal answers all of these questions and more. She also talks about how to break through traditional mindsets and the importance of masculine and feminine energies in healing relationships and transforming the self. Tune in to find out how you can create a better life for yourself as well as for the people around you. Episode highlights include Life is What You Make It, a Decaying Masculine Structure and Womb Space, Fostering Sexual Awareness, Mary's Personal Coaching Style, Masculine and Feminine Energy, Misconceptions on Feminine Energy, and What the Best Medicine Is. And Mary Tamal is a woman's empowerment coach, helping women who want to create an abundant and purposeful life. She specializes in teaching women how to embody their sexuality, redefine self-worth, and cultivate inner peace and happiness. And if you want to learn more about this show, head over to www.1000daysober.com. 
click on the podcast page. You'll find the episode with Mary Small. You'll be able to download the show notes, join our email list if you want to know more about the good stuff going on here, and also find all the links that you can get older Mary and hire her to work with. So without further ado, shut the hell up and leave you in the capable hands of Mary Tamal. Thanks for listening. Juice right off the bat, Mary Tamal, how are you doing? So you're on a road trip. Yes, I am. I've been on the road since the beginning of August, so... It's been quite amazing. I've made a lot of connections and had a lot of adventures and just learned a lot about myself, really, has been the, the main takeaway from the last three months or so. Tell me something that you've learned about yourself. Mm, where do I begin? Wow, that's a big one. I think the biggest thing that I've learned now has been just the way that I've been attached to so many things in my life and that you know, it's really all just what you make of it. And the attachments that we have to people, places, and things a lot of times hold us back in life from actually moving forward and going after our dreams. Because it's like, you can't be in two places at once. That's what I'm dealing with right now. It's like, I'm here in this amazing community in Sedona and I'm going to Mexico next week and I'm going to, you know, explore what that has to offer. And it's like, I want to stay here with these people but at the same time, I want to keep continuing my adventures. And I think, you know, that showed up in a, a lot of different ways in my life. Like I want to, you know, be with family and friends, but I also can't go out and explore all this new territory and do all these new things, starting these projects that I just love and that I want to do more of um, while still being in the old and in the old patterns and in the old places and attached to the old what's been working maybe up until now. Like, I think there's somebody that says, you know, you can't get further. What's worked up until now will not work to get you to the next place that you want to be. Yeah. It reminds me of, uh, thanks for sharing that. And at the end of it, you reminded me and you are in a coaching container called the leap. And uh, the very first thing that we had to do in the leap was a burial ceremony, which was, um, literally killing our old self and moving forward into our new self but there was an aspect of that of uh, we didn't just like get out a, an Uzi nine millimeter and shoot our old self to bits. We actually were very grateful for how that old, slightly dysfunctional, immature part <laughs> of ourselves got us to where we are, right? Totally. Yes, 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 yes. It's so true. I was just talking to somebody this morning who is going through, he's actually a male, like his mid forties. He's going through a, an awakening, quit his job you know, has been on antidepressants and has gone through just so much already. And, you know, now has moved out to do life like off the grid because he's just like, I need that reset. I need that fresh air and just like a, a totally new way of being. And I see that a lot with people out here, like a lot of men in their uh, midlife, just like starting these new lives because they just can't take it anymore. The pressure of their day-to-day -day life. Uh, a lot of them like getting divorced and just going on the road and seeing what else is out there. And it's really inspiring being like a younger person seeing this. And because I really believe that like, especially men middle-aged, I know that's your, um, that's the people that you work with. So that's why I'm bringing it up. It's just like, they are in so need of a rebirth and a revamping. And it's just so good to see men taking this on and, you know, deciding to go against what is normally thought of as success, right? Because it's like, when it comes down to it, what even is 
success. And that's what I've learned on the road as well is like, success is what you make of it. Like I have everything I need to be able to not be on the road. I don't have to, it's a choice that I'm making and it's to see like what I'm really made of and what is really out there and possible for me. And a lot of it is just who you surround yourself with on a day-to-day basis. Are they telling you, yes, you can, or are they saying, no, you can't. And you have to look at that and really listen to what's coming across from other people. It's really interesting that you're in Sedona, actually, because my wife, myself, my mother-in-law, and Zia, my four-year-old, we were going to go to Sedona for a month this this November just to chill out and just to live there for a bit and just like. You said. But then yeah. we decided instead, I'm gonna I'm gonna kick my wife out out there to go on a lo- go on her own. She wants to. Oh, she, wa- yeah. she wants to. She wants to go on a little bit of a voyage of discoveries. So you know, go on. Go do it. I mean, that, that, that's like really important in relationships, I think. You know, it's like, again, stuck to that old like stereotype of, well, if you don't go traveling together, there must be something wrong with your relationship, right? Like we always have to do things together because we're in this relationship. No, you don't. Like, you know, like on Saturday, I'm just going to like lock myself in a hotel room all day and night. Like I got a lot of work to do. I don't want to be around wives. I don't want to be around children. Like, it's okay. You should just be able to do that. And if you want to go to Sedona for the weekend and just heal, you don't have to take your kids and your wife or your husband, right? Yeah, that's hugely, like, that's huge that you can make that distinction and say that. I think that's absolutely right, especially with lockdown. Like, people should be getting out and going into nature by themselves, doing these releasing ceremonies, doing just doing what they need for them, doing what you need for you. I mean, for me, it's like, a lot of people saw my decision to take off on the road as like selfish decision, right? And I could have easily viewed it like that and been like, oh no, I'm not going to go because I shouldn't be, you know, spending the money on this or I shouldn't be, I should be somewhere concrete for my business because I can't, it's like, that's a little bullshit because the reason that I even started to do coaching was that so I didn't have to be tied anywhere. And then to not, so it was like, I couldn't even use that excuse in the first place. It's just letting go of the shame and the guilt around what you think you need to be doing. Mm, and you're like kind of it. saying that with the, yeah. Well, you're taking, yeah. you're taking a power, aren't you? You know, you're not letting, you're not letting anybody, anybody dictate. And then I imagine in relationships as well, it's so easy to get yourself in a rut where you feel guilty or even ashamed of saying this is what I want particularly like let's say you're in a relationship and there's debt in that relationship right so you've got like debt physical debt um and you really need to go somewhere to like heal but you know it's going to cost money and you're a woman like you're more likely to just keep dumb and not say anything because you want to look after everybody else and you don't want to look after yourself whereas the guy's more likely to be like Fuck that. How much are you going to cost? Five grand. All right, we've got five grand more debt. I'm off. See you later. Look at the kids. Like the guy will just look after himself. It's the woman who's kind of like, well, no, I got to, maybe you go, you go, honey. Like you go and do that. Right. And so I'm all about like killing those old stereotypes and helping women step into their power and just going, hey, do you know what? I'm going to Sedona. Do you know what? I first saw this actually. I was in Marrakesh and me and Liza where we joined this uh, tagine-making workshop. So mm-hmm. we made a tagine, and then we went for like a, a massage, like spa thing afterwards. And at this tagine place, I was the only man. Like, it was all women, but all these mm-hmm. women were married. 
But they, they came to Marrakesh to do the Tajin stuff and lots of other things and go out on camels and, and live out by the Mount Atlas Mountains because their husbands didn't want to go. But they didn't say to themselves, oh, that's it. I'm fucked. For the rest of my life, I have to do what my husband says. My, I'm going to wilt my life away. They were just like, you don't want to come? No. Right. Fuck you, Ben. I'm off to Marrakesh. Right? Yeah. Like, I love that. Love it. Yeah. I feel like in other cultures, too, there's a lot more community among the women. And that's super important just for raising kids and keeping your mental health. Like, I know coming to Sedona, I found way supportive community among women here. And it's just so refreshing from city life where it's a lot of hustle and bustle and go, go, go. And you don't really have time to drop into that feminine, that, um, that which can, you know, see beyond a lot of the BS and see beyond a lot of the, um, structures and, you know, masculine systems that we have to like really tap back into what matters and even, you know, see clairvoyant things like be able to feel, the directions of the North and the East and the West and South and feel the seasons change and feel like what's happening and turning. Like I know I've been feeling this for a while, even leading up to coronavirus and all of this craziness. And I know a lot of other intuitive women have, um, and men of course, but just to like really reclaim the feminine and reclaim the, the mother and the grandmother and, um, that history that we have that's so rich for the human, the human race really. And, I think that that's going to be one of the big turning points of this coming age where, you know, the masculine systems are kind of breaking down. And a lot of men even just, I've noticed, have been looking to women for for the way forward because we all know intuitively it's like that thing that um, everybody's mom is just so special to them. Of course, like, I mean, of course, some people, things happen, but uh, at birth, your your mom is everything and it's something that needs to be honored and like really appreciated for us to um get the fullness of life and we're having this conversation about decaying masculine structures just as joe biden and donald trump two the whitest oldest men you can imagine are fighting out for dominance of the world i mean it's pretty ridiculous really um you um you help me specialize in women. I did a little intro beforehand. Well, I didn't. I'm going to do it later, but people listening to it would have heard it already. That's a bit weird, isn't it? Um, what, what is it? Mm-hmm. Tell a little bit more about what you do with women. Yeah, so I do women's empowerment coaching. And a lot of it is bringing women back to that intuitive nature, um, bringing them back to their knowing, because oftentimes we get led astray from it. I know I did, particularly when I was going through college, like really... I was very intense. I was very competitive and I really um, stopped listening to my intuition and in the end got super just chronic depression, riddled with anxiety, was really um, super codependent and all of that magic and that joy within me really got lost in all of that. So what I do is to help women come back to themselves and to find that clarity Um, A lot of it comes from reclaiming their sexual nature and the sacredness of their womb space and their entire being, their voice being totally connected to their womb space as well. And just to move from a place of joy and happiness and really to dream big and reconnect with their childhood 
themselves who knew how to dream and knew their worth and knew the importance that they live out their purpose. Cause I think so oftentimes, well, oftentimes the women that I work with, they're in this box and they have like these blinders on and they're like, they don't know what's wrong. They don't see what they want in front of them, but they feel that something's off. And it's like taking those blinders off, being able to re-expand into your full purpose and your full beingness is really just brings me so much joy because it's what I've been doing and it's been my journey. Um, and it's a journey that's still unfolding for me. So being able to bring other women along with me is really something that brings me joy. Did you say wound, wound space or womb space? Womb space, yeah. Womb space. Talk, so talk, talk a little chakra. bit about that. Yeah. So it's a really powerful and sacred space. And people knew this back in the tantric traditions. Everybody really reverenced this space between the seen and unseen worlds. It's the life force, the life energy of our human race. It lives in that space. So when we feel unattached from it, women are often told certain ways that they need to keep it or certain uses for it and so it gets conflicted like we we get dis disassociated from these spaces these really sacred and important spaces um and we start living from our heads and rather than living from our hearts and from frankly our womb space it's a little different i think for women when you say you know speak with your womb space rather than speak with your dick or something but uh you know it's really important that women are at least in tune with and in touch with what that space holds, the energy there and the power there. Because I think what happens is we'll have a trauma, whether it's a sexual abuse or even just heartbreak or something connected to that region. I know when I was younger, I used to, or all throughout my um, life until my 20s, I would say, I used to get just terrible UTIs. So that I would always take, you know, have to take our antibiotics and now I see it as really a spiritual lesson of me needing to connect back into that space and that, you know, this is the universe sending me a sign that like there is something to be uncovered and healed here. Um, and since I've started to do more healing around my womb space, I haven't had any UTIs, which has been amazing and just goes to show you that there are a lot of spiritual meanings behind our ailments, but that wasn't your question. <laughs> uh, uh, I guess, I know, I guess I, I, I mean, follow up question on on that so you know you said that uh, women get disassociated with their womb space or their their womb chakra right like uh, bear with me bear with me because yep, there's, yep, there's, there's a point behind my lostness here right so where i grew up and where i was raised nobody was teaching any women about chakras nobody was teaching any women about divine energies or anything or any of this kind of stuff we were just taught math science whatever and then the women at home, the mothers, where I grew up, they were hard. They were like teaching you how to like knuckle down, to be subservient to men, to all this kind of stuff, right? So like, I'm thinking, you talking, I'm thinking, well, isn't this like an endemic problem throughout Western society where oh, totally. like, you're more naturally to be disassociated from this space? 100%, yeah. Yep, for sure. And I think there's such a, fantasy around it not a good fantasy of like this fantasy that doesn't really need to be there because we don't give it enough space and attention when you're younger like for me personally I don't 
you know, nobody in my family talked about sex. I learned about sex from kids who were older than me and, you know, who I would hang out with sometimes. So it's like, even that says a lot that you're not learning about these things from people who care and are in your best interest, wanting you to learn something. It's like, you kind of just hear it from this like mystical standpoint of like, Ooh, I wonder, I wonder what that has to do with life or whatever. You know, you're just really, really intrigued by it. So, you know, I think we go into sex in the Western world from the standpoint of like, not knowing anything about it, not knowing the sacredness or the specialness um, and like the power behind it. And I think that's really missing. I would, I would like to believe that when, um, you know, these stories were getting passed down, when people used to speak about things and not, you know, kids weren't learning from the television and stuff like kids more had a, had a better idea about these types of things, like, like babies and bringing uh, conception, bringing life into the world. And even, you know, being able to see that in nature, which kids nowadays don't get to see. They don't get to witness as much happenings in nature and as much mating and um, what have you, you know, births of live animals. I remember when I was younger, we went to a farm when I was in first grade and at my graduation, they were talking about it and they were like, does anybody want to share what they learned on the farm? And I raised my hands and I was like, I saw a little lamb, like, where did that baby come from? You know, like, so just, Mm. it it was a curious thing for me. And it was for all the kids in in my class as well, right? So it's just, I think, approaching it from a different standpoint. It's it's for adults and kids and for for everybody, really, from a more sacred and a more sensual um, standpoint and teaching young young girls too, like how powerful they are and how, how much magic that they have inside of them, because that's what it is to little kids. Um, and even to us adults who believe in the woo woo stuff that it is truly magical. So yeah, coming back to like this, this, um, demystification of the womb space. And it actually has a lot to do with our fifth chakra as well. The second and the fifth chakra are very closely linked. So I know for me, when I was super detached or disassociated from my womb space, I also had a really hard time speaking my truth, like a really hard time. It was like painful that I could think my thoughts and I couldn't express them with my voice. And that's a real problem for a lot of women. I know a ton of women do um, work around finding your voice. And, you know, I just see it as a natural byproduct of re-establishing uh, your sacred sen- sensuality and sexuality. Mm. A lot of, uh, lot of information there to me, for me to suck in. Let me just suck it all in. Oh, okay. I mean, it is, hard. it is hard. Like, you know, I, I sleep with my four-year-old daughter, right? So last night we got to bed and she's uh, fiddling with her vagina, you know, and sniffing her fingers. Yeah. And, um, you know, as a, as a dad, your initial reaction is, oh, don't do that. Like, don't, don't do that. Right. But, but because I'm in, because I'm more enlightened, I'm kind of like, what happens in my head instead is don't do that comes up like split second. And then it's like, okay, that's not the right response. How do we deal with this? So then, then I'll ask questions, you know, and, uh, but it, but it's, it's, and then, and then I haven't done this yet, but then I'll make a mental note. I need to talk to Liza about that, like my wife. And then be like, okay, mm-hmm. um, how are we going to deal with these uh, instances which are obviously going to come up, right? Like, how are we going to deal with it in an educational sense, in a spiritual sense, in a, um, a non-shaming uh, sense so we can, like, I don't know, 
like have one eye on how the world wants us to operate, but also allow space for this. Like, because we can't all, she, she can't go into McDonald's and just drop her knickers and start playing with herself, right? So, so you need to have that kind of aspect in check whilst at the same time fostering um, or, or raising a child who is like completely and utterly comfortable with her sexuality, right? It's hard. It's hard. It is. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, me and my friends used to play doctor. Like we just wanted to know what was going on down there. That's like the main attraction when you're, yeah, I think I was about five when, or maybe younger when I started doing that with my friends, just not in a sexual way, but just in a way of like, what is this thing? You know, it's so complicated and complex and beautiful, of course, but really just to learn about what it's there for and what it means or what it represents being a woman, you know, the receiving aspect of it, not just like receiving the D, but like being receivers of the energy and the um, children, of course, and um, just really energy. That's how women show up in the world and men are helpers and givers and they, they output and we input more. So just the energetics behind being a female and being a male. I mean, if those could be taught at a younger age, which I know a lot of parents are doing that, of course, is just, I think, really important. I was actually at my friends not too long ago and they have some little kids and they were talking about how, you know, the little kids are starting to get really interested. I think the kids are like five and seven and it's a boy and a girl. So they're like, of course, coming from that place of concern, but at the same time, realizing they need to give the space to, for kids to explore and to see what that looks like. And this is a super taboo topic. I mean, you're probably going to get like some hate for this, but I think it is really important that we let kids explore the same with, I know you deal with addiction a lot. I think a lot of addiction comes from keeping this stuff so hidden and so locked Mm. away. And it's like, when we can get our hands on it, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, more alcohol, more drugs. Like this is, we can finally get away from the parents and do this kind of stuff. So I think it's just really important in all these areas of taboo and mystical things, you know, it's natural for human beings to want those taboo, hidden, mystical things. Whereas if you enlighten people on them, it's like, oh, okay, this is what it does. This is how it works. And, you know, it interplays with all this other stuff as well. Mm. So, yeah, I think you're doing the right thing with your daughter where you're just kind of allowing what happens to happen and you not reacting because that can really make kids shy I know from what I've heard that it can kind of traumatize kids if you tell them that it's it's wrong and it's not something that they should be doing generally what will happen is it'll be it'll become part of their secret space right so they'll they'll be like um you know I'm gonna go I'm gonna go and do this in secret because it's not allowed in front of my parents and another thing the kids do is they hump like they, they 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 just get things and hump because it's nice and they they'll do it in the middle of the floor in front of the whole family and and then all of a sudden all of a sudden you'll, you'll be like feel like embarrassed and ashamed and then but now like I'm able to be like okay oh, where's that coming from you know and it's coming from external yeah. validation sticking with rules that kind of thing so then it's mm-hmm. like hey you know if you want to go hump something you might want to do it in your bedroom. And, and, and hump in private because it's your private time. Um, but like just linking this, um, you know, the, the childhood uh, female innocence of just exploring your sexual organs and stuff when you're young and that leading to addiction if you're, you know, you're not allowed, you're not raised in the right way to do that. Like I had a conversation with my, with my son yesterday, he's 19, right? So I have a four-year-old and I have a 19-year-old. 
And we were just talking about like, you know, he'd been watching Fight Club and he started to get it into his head. Okay, right. You know, so in Fight Club, they all had a mission. They were all together as a tribe. They didn't care where they lived. What they had was immaterial. They were against advertising. And it, it, it spoke to him. And he was like, okay, well, I, I don't know. I don't no longer need these, like, these really expensive trainers. I don't need this Gucci shirt, right? So he started to think like that. And then he was like, dad, give me some advice on what to eat. So I'm like, well, the thing is, you like to bodybuild and bulk up, which got into the conversation of, well, why are we doing that? Like, why are we bulking up? Are we bulking up because we look in the mirror and we find ourselves beautiful? Or are we bulking up because we want people to look at us and think that we're beautiful? And in fairness to him, you know, he was like, there's an aspect of both there, right? There's an aspect of both. Now, that aspect of him looking at himself in the mirror and thinking he's beautiful, I love that, right? I love that. I want to foster more of that in him. I want him to have more of that, that like growth mindset, you know, know that he's, he's worth enough. But that aspect of I need to just put my bicep up and put it on social media because I want somebody to tell me they like me, that is what ends up in addiction. And parents have a responsibility to interject in there and have these uncomfortable conversations. And they won't happen organically. You need to create a trusting, secure container for your children so they will be vulnerable with you, knowing that you won't judge them. Over to you. What yeah. do you think about that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think really exemplifying that within your own behavior is the most powerful thing you can do for a kid. Like I know I've had to work off of a lot of, um, you know, my mom like grew up in a Catholic family, like very traditional. Um, I'm much less traditional, but I grew up within those structures. So a lot of it made me feel wrong. Like I didn't think I was supposed to be having sex before marriage. I didn't think that I purposely tried to be rebellious with my clothing and just because I wanted to break out of that, but also feeling a lot of um, guilt and shame as well, because it's like, I didn't really have uh, females in my family who were doing this. So it was like me, I was kind of going first. Um, and that in and of itself is scary. And you know, we talk about generational trauma and stuff that might be conversation for another day, but like just to take all of that on, um, yourself, like from, from my standpoint as being now an adult, but being a child not too long ago, it's a lot. It really is. So I think just exemplifying the fact that you don't need to feel shame. You don't need to feel guilt for your body or for who you are, or how you want to express yourself. Um, I would imagine if you're not, if your son's 19, he's thinking about girls and you know, how is oh, he going to yeah, attract, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure. how's he going to attract a girl into his life? Um, but, and that's all really important and great. And just to show him that, yeah, he has your support and you know, Hey, this is how I carry myself. If you're wondering, you know, I don't hold these unrealistic expectations or, you know, you work more on yourself than your physical self more more on your mental and emotional and being the person that you are is more important than how you look on the outside i think is the best message that we can give young men and women today i think when um when you talk about like i hear that so i hear this story so much i was raised catholic and like i hear that so much right and and it's almost like um like if we're raised in a way that is diametrically opposed to the way we intuitively feel we want to behave, 
and then we don't really get our parents back in. Like they're really trying to kind of rigidly stick us to like going to church, all this kind of stuff, right? In, in a way, it's abandonment, right? Like our parents are abandoning us. And like childhood abandonment, whether it's psychological or physical, is always going to lead to shame, which is very often going to lead to addiction, right? So if you're listening to this, folks, right, abandonment in childhood is really important. Now, I know a lot of you listening to this will be going, yeah, right, boom, I get it now. I'm like, my, it's my dad's fault or it's my mom's fault or whatever. But I'm not quite sure what goes on enough is you going, oh, shit, what am I doing right now? Am I abandoning my kids right now? So I want you to think about that, folks, right? While you're picking up the bottle or smoking your cigarettes or watching your pornography or gambling or taking your drugs or whatever, where are you uh, physically or emotionally abandoning your children right now? And when are we going to be prepared, prepared to um, draw that line in the sand, right? So we don't keep going this vicious cycle. Um, Mary, uh, I'm going to ask you, um, what, are, what are the things that you're seeing in your work that are coming up in terms of, regular problems that you have to consistently deal with that are showing up in in women because i know subjectively everybody's going to be different but there'll be themes right yeah well that's a great question i see a lot of relationship problems um a lot of women that feel like they want to break out of this traditional molds that they've put themselves in and without having to break the relationship they want to evolve and change um, and I'm sure you see that with some of the men you work with as well. So, and I, I just, I think it's such a beautiful place to be in to realize that you want to change the way that you're showing up in your relationship. And also I feel like women, we have this programming where because we want to do it all and because we become such high achievers and overperformers within the family and in work and in school, I think that there's this thing that happens when women take risks or they do really well. And then, and then they reach this point where they hit a failure. They hit a road bump. They hit this block. For me, it was you know getting this terrible depression out of seemingly nowhere at the time. That's what it felt like. And just really being at this standstill where I couldn't put in 110% effort like I was used to doing. And I, I hear this from a lot of women, whether it's you know, losing somebody in their family or losing a job, any number of setbacks, even just financial problems or problems with their mental health, which are huge. I don't mean to say only. And then they feel like they can't continue on. And it's like, oh, these passions and these visions that I had for myself because I hit this roadblock, because I failed, quote unquote, this one time, I can't keep going with it. I can't pick up and move on. And so that is one of the biggest blocks that I find with the women that I work with. Um, I find them at this place having failed, whether it was recently or even in the past, and they're just too afraid to get back up and try again. It's like this, it's the social pressure, I think. It's the not wanting to look like a failure, just being too afraid to even try. So how do you deal with that? How do you combat that? How do you get them to feel a fear and do it anyway, as Susan Jeffers would say? First step is to realize that these little failures are part of it. So it's to really check in and ask whether the vision is big enough and important enough that you're willing to have more of these. And oftentimes when we frame it like that, when we frame it as if you're at step two, and you need to get to step 50 to achieve this goal. Step one and two were failures. If every other step is going to be a failure, do you still care enough about this goal to go for it? Mm. If the answer is yes, 
great. Let's dive in and do the work that you need to get you there, which clarity is step number one. And that's part of the clarity. Part of building the clarity is to understand that you're going to have to go through this maybe a few more times. And is it worth it to you? Um, and if it's not, then you know, go back to the drawing board and pick a new vision because it's not big enough to pull you forward. It's like, you know, we both have the same coach, um, Preston Smiles, and he recently schooled me on this. I was even dealing with this myself, which was, you know, allow yourself to be pulled. Stop pushing and allow yourself to be pulled by that which is greater than you. The vision, the circumstances, the the God that is within each of us and that lives within our own life, whether your God is you know, Jesus, Krishna, Krishna, Buddha, Allah, energy, universe, source, the sun, like just allow yourself to be pulled forward by what really lights you up. So how, what kind of uh, practices are you incorporating in terms of helping them out? You know, so like, is it personal coaching? Is it uh, online coaching videos? Do you do breath work? Do you, what, what is it you're doing? How do you sprinkle your magic dust on them? <laughs> so I do all online coaching, so all video coaching or phone if that's more comfortable. But I start with connection because I believe that with everybody that I've coached, the most powerful transformations have happened when the client actually has a really positive, when she has a super strong connection to her vision and to her source. So like daily meditation practices, whether this looks like a traditional sit down and meditate practice for you, or whether it looks like getting up and going for a walk every day. Maybe it looks like saying hi to five people every day because that's like where your stretch is. Um, It's different for everybody. And small acts of bravery and small acts of courage go such a long way, especially for women. We get, and I'm speaking for myself as well, we get really in our heads sometimes and really um, in our little princesses. You know, we don't want to break the mold that we're in because it becomes comfortable, but that's really not where the growth is. The growth is out there when we step into our queendoms and, you know, we really rise to the occasion and be outspoken and lean into our masculine energy. Even I'm huge into my masculine energy because that is where I can make magic happen. (laughs) As long as I'm in alignment with the feminine, I can step right into the masculine. And that's when I create in my life. And I think a lot of women Um, lean on to the feminine, but then they, when it comes to creating and when it comes to being expressive and speaking their truth and frankly, you know, telling people off when they need to be told off, it's one of the most important things we can do for ourselves to hold those boundaries and to speak our truths like that. So yeah, working with women in that way is just so amazing because it took me such a long time to come to my purpose and to come to what really drives me and pulls me forward. So it's like to help other women uncover that and even more go through sometimes the hell that needs to be gone through in order to claim their vision and claim their highest versions of themselves is like just so incredible and amazing to see the transformations. And we are coming into a really amazing world right now. I know it might not feel like it's most people, but I see it, I feel it. And the transformations that are going on right now, especially in the female community is just so magical. Mm, so good. And I'm super mm. excited. Tell me a little bit more about masculine feminine energy. Um, maybe you could give some examples because growing up what I did, um, there was women and there was men and that was it. There was no, I had, I had no feminine energy. I was just a man and a woman was just, uh, yeah, a feminine energy. So talk a little mm. bit about that. Yeah. So traditionally, 
the easiest way to understand it is to think about when you're just in the flow. So in a flow state, you could be maybe you're playing, even playing your favorite sport and just the feeling tone of that or listening to your favorite song and just feeling so like uplifted by it, or maybe you're watching your favorite sport, you know, and just that rush of emotions, that energy, and you can act on that all day long. Like I could spend a whole day just in my flow, you know, no, a lot of times associated with like no timing of anything, just the natural, the rising of the sun, the, the rising of the moon, you know, the setting of the sun, all of, all of that good stuff, the flow of the clouds, really looking at nature for that. And then when you talk about the masculine, it's like the action or the interruption. So if there's a storm that comes in, that could be like viewed as the masculine or the doing or the, um, I'm going to do this for 10 minutes and then I'm going to, you know, do this for 10 minutes. So some people, they think of meditation as like a really feminine act, but some people approach it very masculinely, like Mm -hmm. set their timer for 45 minutes, do 10 minutes of this type of breath work and count every single breath. And, you know, that's a very masculine approach to things. So, so everything isn't inherently masculine or feminine. I think everything can be viewed with the masculine feminine emotion, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So what what you're saying to me, what you're saying to me is like in a coaching sense um, in your work or in my work, identifying if an individual is, is off kilter and is leaning t- too much towards masculine energy, then a discovery in that area could uh, point to almost like a remedy being, okay, we need to get you incorporated more feminine type of like mm-hmm. action to your life. So for example, um, listen to what you're saying and I'm very um, heavily weighted to masculine energy. And then just before we came on air, I was feeling really lonely and sad. Um, so I sang which would be feminine mm. energy. And I think the, yeah. the reason that I was so lonely and sad is because I was just, I'd been spending too much time in my masculine energy. So, yeah. Um, yeah. You guys tap back into that lonely, maybe childhood self or something for mm. a minute. And two, you made a, brought up a really good point because we can be working from wounded masculine or wounded feminine, which can also throw us off. So an example of this would be um, if I go out, maybe I go to, you know, a dance festival or something and every guy that I want to dance with, like, isn't interested in me or something. So now when I go out to dance festivals, like I don't even look forward to getting danced with or Mm. even ask people or, you know, put myself out there in that way. And that's like, working from a wounded aspect of myself or um if like i was always doing which i did used to do this in school where i would just get try to get straight a's doing 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 and it's like that was me working out of this need for approval like from my dad in particular who was like a real big doer and so i really wanted to like do 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 so that i would be approved of um and so that's not really as in alignment as it would be oh, I love the, stu- the subject that I'm studying. I love um, the outcome of what this studying is going to do. So that's why I'm doing it. That's more of like an alignment doing rather than like a doing out of the need for approval or something that mm. comes from a place of wound inside of us that, mm. you know, we're always working and shifting to not just fill, but to heal. Yeah, because yeah, a lot of times that- I think what we're doing is filling the spaces rather than filling the spaces and the places. That uh, wounded, uh, the wounded masculine that came out when I was 
talking to my son. I could recognize that in my son uh, yesterday, actually. Wounded masculine. You, one thing you said there right, uh, a while ago now, which I thought was really important, is you said you love it when you are working with the women and you're connecting them to the vision or their source, right? But you didn't mention a man or another woman. So that they're in a relationship and they're unhappy, but you're not, you're not like focusing on the other man or the woman. You're focusing on them, right? Just expand upon that because it's an important point. 100%. I mean, we can only heal each other to a certain extent. We really only have the ability to heal ourselves truthfully. We can be in places where coaches are the most powerful tools, speaking personally, and coaching only goes so far if you're not willing to do the work. So ownership, that was another thing that I wanted to bring up before with you is the ownership aspect of these wounds and of our own healing. Um, when we put that on somebody else and we don't take responsibility for our own healing, we can never really truly be in a solid connected relationship when we're constantly blaming or uh, assessing responsibility, um, giving responsibility to the other person to heal us. So my approach with my clients is that we are only, our relationships are only as good as ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. So if we can't heal ourselves, then we're never going to be able to heal our relationships. So it really starts with the self, the self-talk, the self-healing, letting go of shame, letting go of regret, and taking on that responsibility, especially as females. I think that women have taken on a lot of responsibility since the 60s and the 70s and being really jack of all trades. We do it all now and it's a lot. And sometimes women that I work with forget that it is their number one responsibility to take care of themselves, their kids, their relationships to their partners, all are an offshoot of their capacity to love themselves um, and to heal and to help themselves on a day-to-day -day basis. It's a daily thing. It really is. Yeah. So that's my two cents on that. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting because I, I got you on because I know you work with women and I was thinking to myself, let's get Mary on because if she works with women, then they'll all be moaning and groaning about all these things that the men are doing wrong. So we'll be able to learn what the men are doing wrong. So any men listening to this could benefit. But now, and I've changed my, like, I, I'm not just working with men at the moment, actually. I'm, I'm, I just want to help everybody, right? So, Beautiful, um, yeah. So what I'm thinking, what I'm thinking now is talking to you is that let's follow this logic through. So uh, a woman comes to you, she's lost, and she doesn't know what's going on. She doesn't feel right about herself and her relationships and she's disconnected from her man you get her to see that she's disconnected from herself she's disconnected from source she's disconnected from her vision and then you yeah. you help her you help her to become connected now i'm assuming that as she becomes connected then the emotional attunement that is going to happen with her children and with her husband you know it basically this guy is going to change as a result of her changing or he doesn't change and she's like, okay, I don't need this guy in my life anymore. But we're not asking the guy to do anything, right? We're, we just focus on ourselves, And if we focus on ourselves, then that's all we can do. And we're, we're kind of like trusting that our partner will be like, okay, what's going on here? You know, obviously getting them involved in the conversation. Um, mm. So I, I don't, I don't, when Liza goes to Sedona, my wife, she's working on herself. Like she's not asking me to do anything. 
But when she comes back, I will feel this emotional attunement to her because she's like, she's my, my life. So like if her vibration, she is, if her vibration is really high and she's in her, in her joy and, and she's got this mixed balance of feminine, masculine energy going on, yeah. then I'm going to be attuned to that and I'm going to behave accordingly, right? Totally. I think that's super important. And women set such a vibe for their households and even their workspaces too. I used to notice this when I was working in law offices. I was um, did paralegal and legal assistant work. And the women of the office always kept the vibe super duper high. And it was like, almost I felt like some women were there and were being paid just to come in and like, keep the vibe high for the men. And I know that sounds crazy and a little patriarchal, but <laughs> patriarchal, is that a word? Um, but I mean, here we are in this patriarchal system. So to say that these women were adding, and myself included, adding this really important value, um, which is just to the energy of the company. I mean, that's huge. That can be worth millions, billions of dollars every year. Just to, you know, if you know anything about energy, you know how important it is and it can really float or sink any relationship, any marriage, any um, workspace. So to have happy women in your life is super powerful. Um, I don't think I have to tell anybody this twice because I think everybody out there has experienced having both a happy and a non-happy female in their life that's close to them. Um, And that's not to say that you have to keep them happy, but just giving them that space and that understanding um, that they get to go out and do their own thing and help themselves. Sometimes I think women don't even give themselves that, that gift of knowing that. So if the man can actually even give that gift of like space and boundaries um, for her, like that's really beautiful. If at times she's kind of lost in the day-to-day giving and giving um, and helping everybody else out. Like if he can uphold that and be like, Hey, why don't you like do something for yourself? Or why don't you, you know, how about I pick up the kids and you can go do that thing that you love to do? Because sometimes I think women forget that like they're totally worth it. I mean, I know that they forget because sometimes my clients forget that they're totally fucking worth it Mm. and more. Like we are so important and we really set the tone for so much in our worlds. So, so much. Um, we give guys too much credit around here, so uh, yeah. Take it, <laughs> um, take it, women. I can time I can to actually, take some back. I can actually give you a real life example of the most human because it happened this mm-hmm. morning, right? So um, I came down this morning looking after my daughters, my job, and Liza says uh, uh, I'm going to be taking her out at like half past nine. So can you help me get her ready, right? So I'm like, sure. What do you want me to do? Make her some snacks, make her breakfast, get her dressed, brush her teeth, just all that kind of stuff. Okay, no problem. So I'm doing that, but as I'm doing it, I'm like listening to Marco Polo messages on my headphones as I'm doing everything. And it's clearly bugging her. Like I, it's bugging her, right? To the point where like we, we start to have a, a little bit of a fight, right? Like it, because she's like, I wanted you to get her ready. But of course, I'm in, I'm in my masculine energy and I'm kind of like, what are you on about? I've done everything. Like I've done everything. I've ticked everything. She's going to be out the door in, in, in the right time. What are you worried about? Okay. But then when I calm down, right, when I calm down because of the work that I've done or the work that we've both done, I can say to myself, well, uh, what's happened there is I have become attuned to her unspoken anxiety, right? 
So she's anxious that I'm not going to do my job because I've probably let her down in the past of doing it, right? So I'm tapping into her unspoken emotional energy and attunement of anxiety. And then because I'm tapped into that, it generates shame because I'm not doing my job as a dad. And I don't want that shame. So I'm going to put it back on you by telling you, what's your fucking problem? I've done everything you told me to do. This is your issue, right? So now, now knowing that, right? So you can have your little outburst, but knowing that allows you to go, okay, that's what happened, right? Need to fix this and sort this out later on. Have a little chat about, about what happened and then, boom, take 100% responsibility and fess up. As opposed to like many years ago, if I'd been in that same situation, I would desperately want to cling on to the fact that I was right, that I got her out the door on time. What's your fucking problem, right? And that's just going to breed more toxicity, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I guess whilst I said the woman just has to look after the woman and the man would just kind of like just miraculously change, obviously that won't happen. There needs to be an aspect of a conversation that says, okay, I'm looking after myself, but you need to look after your side of the net as well. What are you going to do and how are you going to show up? Yeah, interesting. And it really sounds like it was an energetic thing between both of you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I think the feminine energetic can often be understood because misunderstood because it's so powerful as well. Um, Another misconception about feminine energy is that like it's just gentle like I think it also has the ability to be extremely powerful and like the overwhelming feeling of like just think of even like the death of like your grandmother or something like that that feeling of like the the feminine it can just be so strong have you ever journeyed with Aya before no no it's a it's a difficult it's a difficult one for me because I'm, I'm abstinent from everything so Right. I, I, I have thought about it, but as a leader of people who are trying to be abstinent, it's difficult for me to mm-hmm. go there. So Yeah, that's interesting. I, one of the uh, medicine men that I sat with, he completely turned his life around from years of heroin addiction just from sitting with Aya, which there's so many stories like that, which I just find so incredible. Um, so I know it can be really good, but not promoting it for, for anybody trying to just saying that let me just let me just interject there look if you're listening to this and you want to try ayahuasca or ibogaine or any of those things in order to beat addiction go fucking do it you know yeah, go, go do it and then and then <laughs> and then check back in with me if you're doing them every week <laughs> you know like <laughs> yeah true true i don't know if you could do it well you probably could but it would be a well, lot I, but yeah, I that's do, a really yeah. feminine thought right so that's a good one to understand the feminine energy. That's all I was going to say about that. If you did um, experience that, you know, a lot of men are able to reconnect with their emotions through that. Men that have like serious blocks. Aya is just like, nope, <laughs> you're not going to hold on to that. You have well, to feel it. Seems, it. <laughs> it seems like it helps with submission and surrender. So I imagine when you're stuck in your masculine energy, that you don't want to go. And so I guess what I'm saying, stuck in masculine energy, I'm talking about women and men. They don't, they don't want to go there. They don't want to feel the pain. They don't want to feel, uh, they don't want to face the suffering. They don't want the fear of change and all this overwhelm that comes with it. But if you give it this thing and say, drink this, and then this has got no way of like controlling what the fuck's going to happen. 
Like, so I've never yeah. taken ayahuasca, but when I was younger, I used to take LSD quite a bit, right? So uh, when I was, um, and, and most of my trips were bad. Like I, and I could never control them. And the more I try to control them, the worse I would get. So I can see definitely how that could help someone who's not willing to submit or surrender to get, to get where he needs to get to. You never had a good LSD trip? Never, ever, ever. All bad. That's another thing that worries me, actually, about taking ayahuasca or any other plant medicine. Like, I don't trust that I wouldn't just freak the fuck out and jump off a fucking skyscraper. Not that I would be on a skyscraper. <laughs> well, LSD is man-made, so maybe, maybe you had a bad reaction to the chemicals in it. Because, I mean, I only promote for my clients, like, if they want to do um, plant medicine. Like, I really... I have not found better teachers when it comes to releasing, letting go, accepting, feeling the different forces of life, really, and just even coming to terms with things like death and birth and just happenings. Um, I did one, I sat for one um, experience with with a group at the very beginning of Corona, like I'm talking very beginning where it was like, are we allowed to go outside or whatever. And we just decided to, um, go on with it despite whether or not the world was falling apart. And it was one of the most powerful journeys ever, ever, ever. Cause it's like, it's all just happening for a reason. You know, it just really brought that point home for me. And I don't think I would, um, be here with you currently in the leap and in your realm, um, coaching if it wasn't for that particular journey, because, um, that's what really made me anchor in on continuing to redefine who I am in the coaching space. So that was really powerful for me. Yeah. Okay, not well, giving for, up, you know, no. for those <laughs> of you listening, the failure and the hardship. for those of you listening, the only plants that I'm going to eat tonight are celery and cucumber. Uh, and the only, um, mushrooms I'm going to have, a, are um, thinly sliced in my um, mung bean pancakes. Um, Mary oh, Tamal, those still have some powerful practices. Those have some powerful properties. It's all I ever eat. It's all I ever eat is mung dal pancakes. Um, Mary's That's an Ayurvedic food. Is it? Oh, yeah. And yeah. kachari spice. Is that Ayurvedic as well? Kachari spice? I think so, yeah. I think so. Sounds it's been like a pleasure it. having you on. We didn't talk about anything like we said we was going to talk about. No, we um, didn't. <laughs> but, that, but that's okay. Who cares? Um, it, it was um, for sure valuable to people. Um, if you want to learn more about Mary Tamal's work, then head to www.1000daysober.com. Go on the podcast page. You'll see a little perfect little space just for Mary, and it'll have all the links and uh, everything that you uh, ever want to see uh, about Mary. And, and then, yeah, sign her up, get on a discovery call with her and sample her goodness and get working with her, folks. Mary, get anything, uh, last words you want to uh, tell us before you head off into the desert? Uh daylight out there people it's all coming together it's part of the plan you got this stay cool thank you mary thanks lee just another reminder folks that if you want to work with lee davy that's me and the rest of the 1000 days sober coaching team then get over to www.1000daysober.com and book yourself a choose yourself Call with me or a member of the 1000 Days Sober team so we can see if you're a good fit to take the Strive Method for Addictions course, the Strive Method for Relationships course, or just join the Strive support team. And if you're feeling in a really, really serving mood, please rank and rate our podcast at whatever 
podcast platform you do or spread the word around social media and tell people to come and listen to us. Thank you very much. Love you all. Bye.